All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today is a special day for me. My, my daughter is off to her second day of driver's education here in Massachusetts. Uh, my wife is taking the kids out the door right now to go pick them up. So if you hear kids screaming in the background, which if you listen really carefully from time to time, you may hear them. But uh, today is a special day because Massachusetts is the hardest state, I guess, in the union. I don't even know if that's correct, but I guess it's the hardest state to get a license in. She must go for eight hours a day for a week just to prepare to get her permit. Whereas if you're in New Hampshire, you do not even have to go get a permit. You just get in a car with someone that has a license. But with that being said, welcome Jeff Bonet to the show, who also has a 16-year-old daughter. That's why I'm, I am rambling on about this, because he can feel for me. Uh, he is information technology. Yes, you know, and um, I don't know, we might get some flack for this, but uh, Jeff, you are information technology manager at Warren Distribution. You guys manufacture lubrication. That is correct. I'm sure there are plenty of HR inappropriate jokes that go around your organization about lubrication that we will not get into <laughs> on this show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do something to get people to listen here. Um, right. So anyways, um, you know, I, I like the, I've never said it outright. I've always kind of beat around the bush a little bit, but I want to say that I think, not that I think, I know that one of the hardest jobs for IT managers, IT directors, people in the mid-market space where, I don't know, we might not want to give someone a title CTO yet. I don't know what it is, but IT manager, IT director, one of your hardest jobs is selling to upper management. And do you think that that's because we're in the mid-market space and, and we, we have a budget for IT? as opposed to, you know, small business or maybe enterprise? Uh, what is it? Why, why is selling to upper management the hardest job that you have to do? I, and I would say it's the hardest job I have to do, especially, like you said, in the mid-market range, is, is we're, we're big enough that, we're, that we have a need for a significant amount of IT, but not so big that we need that tiered management up there. So my department reports to the head of finance, the CFO, uh, and then from there to the, the chief operations officer. So there's no, then there's a director below that that's right above me. So, so when we're trying to sell this, we've got to sell it in a way that they understand that, that yes, I'm asking for money for something that isn't going to make you money, but it is going to make you more productive or it's going to increase your uptime at your plants and keep your, your distribution centers running. Uh, and keep those trucks flowing and, and keep those lines producing. Um, well, it may so, make you money if you've got yeah. a backlog and you can't get product out the door fast enough. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and, and that is very true if, if that is the case. Uh, and, and a significant amount of downtime can do that. Um, downtime can be very detrimental for, for distribution because a lot of the trucking companies start fining you if you make their trucks sit there too long. So it's very important that stuff is running all the time. I, uh, I interviewed this, this gentleman, Michael McClure, the other day and, and how, he, how he grew up in technology. And he said, I was put into like the IT department or made into the IT department when someone asked, why is there no problems going on in this particular building in IT that he managed? And oftentimes, the irony is there's nothing going on 
Like, there's nothing wrong. Like, we should cut the IT budget. Not, nothing's going on. Nothing's going wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is correct. And, yeah. and that's exactly what you want. Um, in that case, maybe we should pump some more money into IT and, and <laughs> see what the results are. But let's just kind right. of, I, I can read the, um, the, after interviewing so many IT directors over the years now, I can really read the mid-market space. And, and, the, and the, point, the whole point of this show is to kind of create this revolution of the IT is not a cost center. IT is this, a business force multiplier. And I can, uh, I know before we talked on the show, I, I was saying that the average ratio of IT staff member to end user is always, 100, is always 100 to 1 one IT personnel to 100 end users. And honestly, it's usually more. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but what I'm saying is, is you guys are performing small miracles um, to provide the, the end users the ability to do their job well, uh, all the tools that they need. So I wanted to ask you maybe, what, what was the last project that you saw a significant need for that needed to be sold to upper management? Uh, that would be our uh, infrastructure, uh, upgrading our infrastructure. Um, we, when I came in, uh, and when the, you say infrastructure, uh, mindset, that's a big, yeah. that's a big word. Are we talking I mean, internal switches? It is a big. Okay, so uh, giggy, yeah, giggy talking, switches. What are we doing? I'm talking everything from my edge to my to all of my internals, and then my data centers. So we had, I mean, we had before I'd gotten there. It was a uh, throw money at managed services, let them deal with it. And, then and who did you have for it? What were you managing? What was being outsourced at managed services? Uh, everything. Our firewall switching, uh, access points, um, our uh, endpoint protection, uh, our storage, our servers. Um, help desk? Active directory. Help desk was not. That was the only thing that wasn't. But wow. our help desk felt, they felt crippled because they couldn't do anything. They had to call I would almost have it the opposite way. I would almost, it would, you would almost think that help desk would be the first thing that you would outsource and then you would switch everything else around. Well, you know, you know, the help desk should be like, right. you know, like and, okay, yeah. go ahead. Anyways. Well, the going. way that they, yeah, the way that it was that way, I don't know why it was that way, but we came in, we were looking at that and we're like, my God, you guys are spending so much money on very, very old technology. Um, that's not being managed because you know, nobody's paying attention to the managed service provider. So we went through and we, we so the managed, in, uh, just yeah, to, just to be clear, the, the the managed yeah. the managed service provider was not managing. That is correct, and and, and that's the thing is like whenever you bring in, managed service providers can be extremely helpful, but you have to have somebody managing that that organization that relationship for your organization, making yeah, sure that they don't just sit stale. They don't sit stale. They don't yeah. sit back on their laurels. They don't get a, they don't become a butt in the seat collecting right. money. There has to be someone there yeah. that really can do the checks and balances and understand that, you know, Hey, they are indeed doing a good job or no, they're just kind exactly. of, you know, sending us a bill every month. Right. Okay. And so when we came in we kind of reviewed everything and went, look, we got to, we got to dig out of this. And we've got to go ahead and we've got to, we've got to bring it in-house. So we're going to hire a high-level engineer to come in. He's going to help us manage it. We're going to replace everything. And it, it took a lot of selling. I had to provide them um, a, a pretty extensive return on investment for that. Uh, very well detailed out to show them why this was going to be the way to go. Um, and, and, you know, it ended up being a ton of savings. We saved almost almost a million dollars a year on our budget. Because we were paying these managed service guys just 
an exorbitant amount of money to kind of really do nothing. And when we brought it all in house, we put it all under one unified solution. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say vendors or not on your show. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so we, we, we unified, <laughs> all right, man. We unified everything under Fortinet. Okay. Uh, from our firewall, which is access points. Yeah, 100% Fortinet through the whole thing. And then we went Dell and Dell EMC for network and storage. Great. And Sounds like a good yeah, idea I mean, to me. Yeah, yeah, it's worked fantastically. But it, it took a lot of selling. I had to go in front of all of the, uh, the C-level officers multiple times to get them to understand that, yes, bringing this in-house and yes, replacing this is going to make things better. And it did. I mean, we, they were where they were going down one plant would go down once a week because, you know, server would crash or something would go down. Can we just, just, I'm going to just try, I'm going to ping someone over at Fortinet, you know, maybe there'll be a sponsor, maybe there'll be a sponsor, you know, but, uh, (laughs) so let's just hit on a couple bullet points for Fortinet real quick. Yeah. And this is, I'm being completely honest. This is, uh, you know, not a bi- you know, we're not trying to be biased here at all, but you know, you sure, chose sure. them, you chose them for a reason. What were, mm-hmm. if you had to pick the top three hot buttons, you know, for their direct sales reps that are out there, whatever, knocking on doors and calling you, yes. what's, um, what, what were some of the, honestly, from your perspective, what were the three best benefits and, and helpful bullet points that, you know, before uh, the, and after? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think one is, as I had, um, you know, you could, you can look at it either way. I had one hand to hold or one throat to choke when something went sideways or if something I needed something, I had one person, one organization I reached out to for everything. And that's really important when you're a shop of my size yep. is if I've got one vendor to call and I can call them about 60% of my products. Yeah. I'm, I, that gives me a little bit of reassurance, a little comfort. Mm. Uh, and so that was important. The other part is oddly familiar is, to what I yeah. do. Yeah. Right, go, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So one, uh, okay. So keep going. So yeah, that's the a, vendor, but that's a key just, point though. Yeah. I think that's a key point though. Cause that's a partnership. That's a relationship. Yeah, exactly. It's not a product. What you um, just said is not a product. What you said is a relationship. You said nothing about, um, blinky lights. You said nothing about um, uh, warranties. You said nothing about cost. You said nothing about, um, I don't know, application stacking or, or bandwidth aggregation. Or You said nothing about any of that. You said one hand to hold, one throat to choke. That's what you said. Well, that's a relationship. Yeah, yeah but that's the, that's the thing, especially when you're talking about your core infrastructure, what, what keeps your business alive, the you know, the, the nervous system of your organization is you can't, you can't go with the guy that, you know, just because their company is a fortune 100 company and they're, you know, they've got the best conventions. You've got to pick somebody that you can talk to locally, hopefully that you can talk, that can provide you with a significant amount of products and provide you with expertise in those. Mm. I love it when other people say it and I don't say it. Cause when you say it, it's true. When I say it, it's, <laughs> when I say it, it's suspect, you know what I mean? Um, right. So, yeah, because how often are people being, you know, thrown the Gartner magic quadrant, which is, I mean, I should be careful too. It is kind of a pay to play model. Um, and a lot of these other, you know, it, you know, whatever, Frost and Sullivan, XYZ, it, that doesn't matter. What matters mm-hmm. is the right product that's the right fit for your company and your unique group of end users and their needs. Exactly. That's what's important. Um, okay, so bullet point one. Um, what was, uh, you know, what's kind of like, 
you know, what were some of the other benefits? Maybe what's the second best thing? What, like if you thought, if you woke up in the middle of the night, I'm so happy I have, I can do this. What is it? Um, It would probably be that I can log into one of my data center firewalls Mm -hmm. and I can access every firewall switch AP and then endpoint protection mm-hmm. uh, agent on every device mm-hmm. from that one place. Can you make one security one change? Can you make one change to blanket your entire organization? And, yep. and okay. one, exactly. I can make one change. It propagates through all, all nine locations that we have if I wanted to. And that's huge. I hear a lot of people say that I don't have to log into individual devices. I don't have to log into individual routers. And if you've got multiple locations, mm-hmm. uh, even just, you know, and that's just really speaking very vaguely cloud security, right? <laughs> a cloud security, right. like, you know, infrastructure, like what are, what, yeah. what's one of the biggest benefits? Well, like I can log into one GUI and I can mm-hmm. make a change across my entire organization. Yeah. Uh, is there anything yeah. other, any other crazy things that you do that are benefits like backhauling traffic out of one area or anything like that? You know, is there any kind of like network topography um, or whatever you want to call it, uh, that would be, you know, that you changed that really made a, a difference? You know, I would have to say that, that we were able to get Fortinet kind of with their firewalls, they offer a version of SD-WAN. Yep. And I, I call it SD-WAN light, but go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly yep. what it is. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I can tell you that was a game changer for my company because a lot of our um, sites uh, have, they're out in areas where you may have one carrier that gives you a 400 mega bandwidth and the next best thing you can get is a DSL. DSL yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, so you're so aggregating that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we send our the, the small light traffic over that uh-huh. five meg and all our heavy traffic over the big and if you know we happen to have to bounce around nobody really notices anymore yeah and there's if, not and the if, plant uh, shutting down and coming back up yeah and, and god forbid the the main the main circuit goes down you can shut down all your applications and just run your your main applications your kind of mission critical applications yeah. on that dsl temporarily exactly gotcha. exactly does so it allow for was, more than two? Um, I, I don't do a lot of like kind of. I do a lot of SD WAN in conjunction with Fortinet, but because sure. you know I do a lot of SD WAN and then we we layer in the Fortinet on top of it, or we do like a pass through, mm-hmm. like a hybrid. But is there um, the you know for the SD WAN light section? Does it allow you to have up to four connections? Can you have four connections or just two? Just two. Um, Okay. And, and really, that it just that was fine for us because there isn't a location. Well, I guess our corporate office we could probably get four different. Sometimes people like to have like a tertiary. Yeah. Like for some people, they want to have a tertiary, like a four G sitting idle sure. type of thing. You know what I mean? You know, and and honestly, I'm just happy I have a a, a secondary <laughs> at a lot of my sites. Yeah. Uh, so, gotcha. um, yeah. uh, okay. So, all right. So we kind of hit on the, the, the three bullet, mm-hmm. bullet points that you look, you save a million dollars a year in, um, operating expenses. That's a big number, but what was the CapEx on all this about, you know what I mean? If you uh, can't give out the number fine, but it, I mean, what was like, you sure. know, what, was no, the, I mean, what was the sell? What was the, what was the, sure. I went in here with this price tag and what was the sell? Um, it was, it was getting close to that, that million dollar mark when oh, you're so talking about every. Yeah, I mean, it was almost a one-for-one. We didn't break even, obviously, on that first year, but year two and year three, we made our money back. 
Any so, CFO should buy into yeah. that. Any 12-month payback yeah. model should be a, a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you knew you had that. But mm-hmm. now let me ask you this, though. Yeah. So we could fire these MSPs that were overcharging them, um, but did mm-hmm. that free up cash flow for your budget anywhere else? No. <laughs> in other words, did you make sure to cover up? Did you make sure to like, you know, well, we saved some money here, so, so I'm going to use it here. So when we budgeted for that, we, uh, you know, we did that. I, you know, I, I hope my CFO doesn't listen to this, but I always, I always add in things. I'm connecting with him right necessary. now. Right now. <laughs> right. I'm connecting with him on LinkedIn. I'm sending it to this him right now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we, uh, you Honestly, know, I always the best try to policy. make sure that I, Right, right. Add into my budget things that that may not be directly related to the project I'm working on, but are things that we are going to need to be able to continue moving IT ahead. Yeah, we rob Peter to pay Paul. That happens all the time. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, that's just how it works. We can tell the organization we're going to save them, you know, $100,000 a year, but that doesn't mean we get $100,000 a year back. That means you save the organization $100,000 a year. Thank you for your service. (laughs) Now do it for cheaper. Uh, Well, honestly, all the time I run into people that have um, legacy systems, to put it lightly, Mm -hmm. uh, legacy phone systems, and they're paid for. They're they're like they still have a heartbeat, and you know they're running off a PRI for three hundred bucks a month or whatever it is, and then right. They're like, we got to get rid of this thing. It's a nightmare. And, you know, every time a phone breaks, I've got to order it on eBay. And I've got a, you know, the phone vendors like, you know, Chuck down the street who's 74 and really kind of retired. And then, you know, like that's what they're operating on. But when you go to look at the upgrade to Ring Central or whoever it is, it's, you know, you're going mm-hmm. from 300 bucks a month to 2000 a month. And now right. it's, you know, like, how do you make that argument? Well, then we take in, well, we're paying this much on, on, um, whatever WebEx and we're paying this much here. Right. And, oh, wait a second. That hundred meg circuit we're paying, uh, $1,900 a month for, and now we can get it for 800. Well, let's take the thousand dollars from that circuit and move it over here to the phone system thing. And let's lump it all together. And we'll call this the voice and data bucket, the voice and data right. budgetary bucket. And this is what we're paying now, and this is what's going to be on the upgrade, and it's all the same price, and we're good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That does uh, make sense. So there's some of that uh, going on. And yep. it's, I think we see that in state and local politics as well, right? It, you're yeah, wondering, like, why are, they repa- why are they repaving that road? The road's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's something we're actually, we're actually dealing with right now. Uh, I, our phone system went out of support. Uh, about a year ago, um, which means if one of our phone cards in one of our very old system breaks, then I've got to go on eBay, find one, find a contractor, fly them out to that site, have them replace it, fly them back. So I'm in the process of trying to sell my organization on moving to a Ring Central or a Fuse uh, type yeah. cloud based solution where then. We, we didn't ring this, by the way. Place. I really did not say yeah, I know this you up. brought that up. I was like, man, are you guys looking at my, did you guys look at my budget sounds, for next year? <laughs> look, my nickname, uh, my, my other name is the most bearded man in telecom. Just so you know. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. No, for real. Uh, I'm not the second most bearded man in telecom because I hired a guy with, a oh. um, he has a, he has a 13 inch beard. So I'm, not Holy the second, cow. 
I'm the second most bearded man in telecom. Oh, well. Anyways. Um, so, so yeah. So, that, I mean, that's what we do. That's the general. But let me ask you this. So, why was that a hard sale then? Was it? Was it the putting together the PowerPoint presentation? Was it the ROI? Um, was it their pushback at the beginning? Was it a general like, hey, you know, you're coming in here. Don't make too many changes too fast. Or we like these guys. What, or was it... Was it end user pushback? I mean, what was it? Like, where was the, where were the, the, um, I guess, what was the tough part? So, so the tough part is, is they, if they don't see it break, they don't, then it doesn't break. So why do we if need it ain't broke, to don't fix it. upgrade change? Exactly. Uh-huh. So why do you want to spend a bunch of money to replace a phone system that's worked for 25 years? <laughs> and, you know, the answer is, is because of tech debt. I mean, eventually it's going to break. And when it does, it's not going to break a little. It's going to break a lot. And now you're going to be like, why didn't Can you I get, us to get a new guesses? phone system? <laughs> Can I take yeah. a couple guesses if, on yeah, what sure, you have? Sure. Let's, just, let's just see if yeah. let's see how good I could possibly be. Um, okay, so did you say it's over 20 years old? Over 20 years old, yep. Um, is it over 30 years old? I don't think it's over 30 years old. All right, so that's 2000. Uh, you know... VoIP was coming out back then, but we did have dial-up and email. Let's see. That was like 2000, just so you know, the last couple of shows I've been asking people, when did paranoia set in? They all say 2000 with like the I love you virus. (laughs) That's when paranoia set in. Right. Okay. I'm assuming you have line appearances on the phones, like line one, line two, line three, little buttons that light up. We do. Do people ever page and say, hey, Johnny, pick up line two? Are people ever doing that? Do you have an overhead paging system? Uh. So we do at our plants and distribution centers. Okay. We have an overhead paging system. Um, are you VPNing between sites to do extension dialing or no? People are dialing 10-digit dials. Uh, nope. If we've got um, we've got four-digit dial and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a VPN connection between the, okay. the different um, phone systems. The okay, phone this is tough. Boxes. Okay. I'm guessing it's either a Nortel slash Meridian. Is it a basic? Is it, mm-hmm. is it, is it, I'm guessing Nortel, Meridian, Avaya. Or, man, I don't know. There's so many options. Let's go. There with, is. Um, is it a, like a weird name? Is it a weird, like a weird name that I want to know? Like, you it's know, not a, you would know the name. Uh, when I found out who we had, I didn't even realize they did phone systems. Ooh. Um, NEC? Mm-mm. Dang. Nope. Right. Uh, the up. Toshiba. Toshiba? Oh, okay. So, Toshiba. Toshiba yeah. was great. I, so you got I like the kind it. of like the kind of dark gray plastic, uh, kind of rectangular yep. looking phones. Oh, actually, that was yep. a, th- that phone system is actually a, a, a pretty solid. It's a pretty solid old phone system. It's like a diesel Mercedes. Well, it's like a diesel Mercedes. Yeah, we've had it for twenty five years. It still runs. So. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've got some people that'll buy. I got some. I have some equipment guys that'll buy that off of you when you're when you're done with it, and then they'll sell they'll sell all your parts on eBay to the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works for me because uh, I would be more than happy to get rid of it. So, <laughs> um, okay. The problem is the Toshiba is sitting in an office with another, like you know, like leather chair and like a, a phone that's been sitting there forever that the person knows how to use. And now you've got to teach them. Uh, look, you're not going to have a line one, line two, line three button anymore. But um, right, th- th- that's always the yeah. There are options though out there to, to continue to do that. All right. So anyways, yeah. to not talk about phones and not make this about me, um, <laughs> we're selling, um, again, what was the hardest 
Um, if it, okay, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But mm-hmm. uh, what were the, how did you translate into CFO language? How do you translate so, IT to CFO language? And how do you get them on the same page? Uh, so in this one, when I showed him, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was, there was savings. So there was some money being brought back in. Uh, there was going to be a lot of money coming out up front for travel and training and everything else. But the way that I uh, was able to kind of help get everybody on board is I talked to my accounts payable department mm-hmm. and had them give me every phone bill that we get for a month. And it was uh, close to 1,100 pages of phone bills. Oh, well, that's fine. And just, I mean, we're talking three, four, five carriers per location. Just so you know, I'm still back on the, like I, we can, we can continue to talk the phone stuff. That's fine. But I'm still back on the, <laughs> I'm still back on the, uh, on the equipment, the, the, the Fortinet upgrade. Oh, the, the Fortinet stuff. Okay. So really the big way for me to translate that was I had to show them what it cost when our system went down and a plant and how much that cost them. Okay. And I had how often was it going down? All right. So, uh, well, uh, we're probably getting calls for plants going down um, probably three to four times a week, um, mm. which is not good. I mean, why would you'd have a plant shut down. Yeah. Why? why? And it was just, oh, I mean, well, because we had, you know, a mix of Cisco, Netgear, um, something somebody bought at Walmart, something else yeah. somebody picked up at. Some, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a mixed match. It just didn't exist? communicate well. I have Why no idea. It's so infuriating. <laughs> I went into, a, I went into a, a, a zoo one time. They had, they had 25, mm-hmm. points of, 25 points of failure. They had sub, they had, they had, they had hubs. They had hubs, switches. Oh, they oh. had, they had uh, some guy track down why there was an outage here. And we went, exactly, we went to Target. And we bought a Linksys router or whatever it was, Best Buy, Sears, back and whenever they bought the Linksys right. router, sitting up, you know, uh, above the ceiling tiles just to marry a couple cords together. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. the, the first thing that the COO said was, oh, don't tell us we need to recable this facility or I will kick you out right now. And the first, th- <laughs> and the first, thing, I, the first thing I was getting ready to tell him was, of course, we need to recable this facility. <laughs> right. <You> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay, I'll go back and make this argument first. But what I did was probably similar to what you did was I went back, looked at how many times it went down, right? Looked at how much, and this was an MSP one too. So that's interesting. I looked at how much money was spent on break fix to the MSP. Right. And it was like and that, 80 yeah. grand. 80 grand on break fix and it was 42,000 to recable the facility. So after I got done making yeah. the argument, he, this, he, instead of saying, don't tell us we need to recable, he said, why wouldn't we do this? I was like, I don't know, probably because you've been telling the old IT director for the last 10 years, don't ever talk about recabling the facility. And he was too scared to make the argument or he didn't know how right. to sell to upper management or he was too afraid it wasn't, it wasn't in his vocabulary. So, yeah. okay, so, how many, so it was going down how many times a week? Plants going down twice a week? Uh, yeah, at least, tw- I mean, it was pretty close to twice a week per facility. And how, what did that do? Did that mean you couldn't um, download information, print, print barcodes, so, print stickers? What did it mean? Uh, that means that we couldn't load trucks because we didn't know what product to put in the trucks. 
Um, so they would just sit there idly. We had a forklift driver sitting on forklifts waiting for the network to come back up so that they could start moving stuff. They couldn't do quality checks at lines. So if they can't do quality checks, they have to shut the line down because it has to, they can't send product out without verifying. So when an outage would happen, would it be like, let's call the MSP and open up a ticket? And that's usually what it was. It was open up a ticket, give them, give them 15 Uh, minutes to figure it out and then start escalating as quickly as possible. Um, And they've got like a butt in the seat over there saying, hold on, let me reboot the router. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, exactly. Everything's back up now. Here's your bill. (laughs) Basically that was it. And that was, that was the whole thing over (laughs) and over and over. And that's amazing. um, It was painful. Yeah. (laughs) That is amazing. Um, I can safely say uh, without a doubt that one of the best decisions they did was hire you and say yes to the Fortinet upgrade. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you at least on the Fortinet upgrade. <laughs> uh, did you, were you able to measure productivity after the fact? So we, um, you know, I didn't, and I, I could have, uh, we just didn't because it wasn't a necessity anymore. Uh, the big was thing was, like, yeah, we're so happy now. Gotcha. Everything worked. So nobody, since, since everything worked, nobody cared anymore. Um, they didn't care that they spent the money. They didn't care that anything else. They were just happy that everything worked perfectly, that they weren't going down. I mean, they started building things around with their process to compensate for outages. So they could now take that time that they were prepping for that downtime that isn't happening anymore and actually. If you could go back, it would be a great, if you have that, and I'm not telling you to do this because, you know, I'm sure you'd rather be on the beach or teaching your 16-year-old daughter how to drive or whatever <laughs> it is, you know. Right. Uh, I'm telling you not to, well, mine, it's like, no, do not dye your hair for the fifth time, please, in a week. Um, uh, the, I mean, it would be a great case study. It really would be cool. I mean, I have had some people that have measured the productivity and shown 70, 120% productivity gain. From things like this. Wow. And when you take yeah. that, when you measure that, what that means in dollars and cents, that's really, it's, it's, these are the stories that we need to tell to paint the picture of IT as a business force multiplier, not a service center, cost center, um, you know, a, a, a dude that's a butt in the seat type of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. So yeah, that's a great story. So now it's, um, just, a, did you get any type of, um, like, did, did anyone notice? Sometimes when I, sometimes when things just work all the time, people don't notice. Um, it's funny. Uh, they, they did notice, but not in the work that I was hoping. You know, of course, you have that dream that after you do that and everything works, that when you walk into the facility that you did that at, you know, they're carrying you around on their shoulders and yeah, it's like, cheering I believe. for you. They're like cheering, I yeah. believe in IT. <laughs> <laughs> right. But instead, now they're going, hey, this other thing isn't a problem anymore. But, so now we're seeing this other thing over here that's a big problem. Why uh, haven't you fixed that yet? It accentuated and, something. That's, that, yes. that's, you know, that's, that's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. <laughs> it is because it's, oh. it's not just a, it's a, it's like an exponential, it's like an exponential gain. And it's like uncovering things that we didn't know were a problem before that now are. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it, it, it yeah. 
now people people are probably mad that they're like, man, we really enjoyed like waiting for the network to come back up. Thanks. <laughs> right. Really like, thanks. into my extra coffee time, right? Yeah, I know. Like back then, we used to be like, "Up, oh, uh, network's down." <laughs> time, time and a half. Yeah. Time and a half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you became the enemy. <laughs> I did. Yeah, uh, and you did it. I'm not saying that you have. To, I'm not saying that you have workers <laughs> at all that would that would milk the clock. No one has that. No, um, nobody has that. No, that doesn't exist. The uh, uh, let's just um, what's your number one product? I mean, do you guys what do you guys do that's um, like what do you guys do that's like a separation in the you know, we might as well plug you while we're here. You're in Omaha, Nebraska. Sure. My wife is from Omaha, yeah. Nebraska. You oh, know, nice. we've got Warren Buffett there. I mean, you know, what, what else can we do? You know, he drives right. every day to right. McDonald's and gets his whatever is <laughs> egg McMuffin, and you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, anyways, so it what is. We got? it's insane. So, um, I can't tell you our customers because, you know, I didn't sign not. an NDA with you. And Well, this is public. Yes. But we manufacture oil for other companies. Gotcha. So when you go to the store and you're at buying a brand a major name, shopping buying center, buying, mm-hmm. yeah, 90% of the time, I would say you're probably buying us. Gotcha. Where are we shipping oil in from? Is that how uh, it works? We, well, I mean, we, yeah, we manufacture it locally. So we buy... Um, we buy our base oil and things like that from, uh, I don't know exactly where I know we buy it from all over the country, but okay. we don't. Yeah. So we get our pre ours is already it's base oil. We take it, blend it with additives, things like that, that make it all of those different types of cool. lubricants, transmission fluid, diesel nice. fluid, motor oil. Yeah. I'm assuming my snowmobile, I'm looking at your line right now and yeah. like a picture from LinkedIn. Uh, uh-huh. I can't read. I can't read what's on the. I can't read what's on the bottom. But it looks like what I dump into my snowmobile. Uh, yes, right. we do that. <laughs> An ICA workstation in the background without a flat screen. That must be a poster. <laughs> that must be a poster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We uh, apparently they had just gotten rid of uh, Twin X and like standalone terminals a few years before I got there. Well, it's hard when you're in manufacturing because you probably have, I mean, do you have a software development team or do you have anyone that's like uh, dealing with Mm -hmm. any of that type of stuff? We do, actually. We have a development team of five people. Uh, We work on the same IBM. Well, uh, I recently upgraded the IBM hardware. That was a a nightmare, but we got that done. We went from an AS400 to a um, uh, Power 7 and we we just upgraded to a Power 9 when I'm uh, IBM's 7.3. Those AS400s, uh, it says a lot yeah. about IBM. It really does. Cause those AS400s mm-hmm. and how strong they are and how well they, and how well they made them. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that IBM AS400, those upgrades, that's a, that's a big deal for people in oh, manufacturing, yeah. uh, migrating from that. And I actually have one vendor that, specializes in migrating AS 400s to the cloud because really? it's not like something that you just go buy, like, you know, a uh, space, you know, like a server in the cloud and you just migrate your AS 400 to, you just don't do that. Um, for yeah. anyone that, that has them and knows how manufacturing works and that type of stuff. So it takes, um, for most people, it's actually an unknown. It's kind of like a, we don't know what we're going to do. What do we do? And you've <laughs> got to find a new way. Yeah. Is that kind of what you guys well, did? 
Yeah, we, we, I mean, we, we're still using the same IBM systems. We're just on new hardware, but I, uh, I now officially know how to make that migration and, and do it fairly successfully. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, but it was, it was quite the feat. I mean, we're basically telling the company, look, you're going to have to add an extra holiday into your annual rotation because you've got at least eight to 16 hours of, of solid downtime where uh-huh. you have no systems, nothing. You don't have any of your, you don't have any way to handle your payment transactions. You don't have any way to handle your accounting, your uh-huh. manufacturing, your forecasting, uh-huh. shipping, any of it. It was because it's all right there living on that IBM and we had to shut it completely down and then rebuild it on a new one. That's really cool. And yeah, it, it was, it's probably one of the cooler things that I've gotten to be involved in is doing that because it was so very much outside my realm uh-huh. in 15 years of doing IT work. I don't think I've ever, ever had to do anything that even remotely came close to dealing with an IBM. I mean, that's like going into the ring for like the championship fight. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot on the line. <laughs> Yeah. And well, yeah, everyone's man. watching. Everyone's watching. <laughs> you could yeah. get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes, that is very, very true. Uh, this is a show. Yeah, there was regular force. emails. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, outstanding. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think this has all been great. If you, um, just out of curiosity, how do you get started out? How do you get started in IT? What was your first computer? You know, take me, let's go back in time for a second. Sure. Uh, so I, uh, my very first computer was an Apple IIe that my mom had bought me at a garage sale. Awesome. Um, it, yep. It had, uh, it had one floppy disk game on it and it was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a text-based adventure. Mm. And, uh, that was, that's when I got started. I just kept, I played with that thing every day, tried to find new ways to, to do different things. Um, I dual actually, floppy drives? Did you have the, dual floppy drives yep. stacked underneath the monitor uh, no. or on the side? Yeah, it was just just the one on the side, just the one there. Um, mm. Yeah, it was it was a great green screen machine, but yeah, that's kind of where I started out, and from there I it yeah, just kind of kept know. staying. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep. I got interested. People don't know. I was talking with uh, <laughs> yeah. my again. I, I was I speaking this on a previous show. Previous show, I was talking mm-hmm. with my my nephew and. I had no clue he was into computer science. I didn't know, you know, for all I know, he could have been, you know, going to call, getting ready to go to college for anything. And he starts sure. talking about botnets. And I'm like, what the, how do you know about that? You're like 18, you're not even in college. Like, how do you know all this? He's like, well, you know, we're playing Xbox and we're in a game room and we're like very competitive and we're like highly ranked. And, you know, our competitors like will send out, a, you know, they'll set up all these botnets to like, you know, shut down our game room. So you know, when we start doing good so that, you know, they'll start sending packets to my IP address to shut me down. I'm like, wow. It's like, I guess that's how you learn. That's how you learn. Yeah. You know, it's a different, it's the same. It's like the same, but different. It's the same, but different. Like they don't understand like, you know, a world without the internet, which is mind boggling. No, they would not. I cannot get an, I cannot, I'll never get tired of talking about Apple IIe's Apple two C's, Commodores. I just won't ever get tired of talking about, remember the day when we used to go out to the movies and then the VCR was invented. I'm like an old man now for my parents. It was like, remember when the car was invented? Remember electricity? Now it's like, remember when the VCR and the microwave came out? So it's uh, Jeff been a pleasure. Uh, been a pleasure having you on the show, man. If you had any, um, you know, words of wisdom, pieces of advice for other IT directors out there, is there any, you know, 
big struggles or patience or days of patience yeah. or anything like that that you had to overcome that would be helpful to other people listening? There is. And there's one thing that I've learned uh, in IT management that, that I feel like has been the biggest thing that's probably helped me be successful uh-huh. is that IT management is 50% being a salesperson and 50% being a technology person. And that's mm-hmm. it. I love that you said that because there's a lot of negativity out there uh, about uh, sales people in general and everyone is in sales. It's just the, mm-hmm. the, it's just the manipulators and liars really shouldn't be called salespeople. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. You have a, you have a wonderful yeah. afternoon. Thank you, sir. It was uh, appreciated being on your, uh, on your show. Thank you very much. 